1 Corinthians chapter 15, as we get ready for our message this morning. Uh, this is from a source unknown. A little, a little, uh, uh, a little I don't know what it's called. It says, I heard a man who attended church one week became increasingly agitated with the message. On the way out, he stopped to speak to the preacher, and he said, you really have to do something about your sermons. You speak about the same topic every time I'm here. The preacher looked at him, he said, well, the only time I see you is on Easter Sunday. trying to point that out. Whatever that does for you is between you and the Lord, I guess. <laughs> uh, hope you all are excited about Jesus this morning and excited about yourself and your, and your salvation and, and not really proud of yourself, but actually excited about what Jesus has done for you and in you if you're saved and, and how much uh, we, we can, how much we have to, to grow into and how much we have to learn and how much more of ready for us should we just walk into it and somebody somebody might sit back and say well i've already been blessed so much how can i get blessed any more than i am now but god don't run out of love he don't run out of blessings he don't run out of his kindness and his patience and his grace and his mercy right okay the 11 uh, the seven o'clock crowd that were here they had a few amens outside right it's, it's like almost lunchtime, y'all, so let's get excited about the Lord. We're gonna, I want some amens this morning. If you're saved, we ain't talking about nothing but resurrection this morning. So there's nothing else to do but be excited. And I want to talk about uh, the truth about Easter or the truth about the resurrection, really. I like to use the word resurrection because that's really what it's about, isn't it? The Easter's fine to use, but it's really about the resurrection of our Savior, the, the man who came to die for sins and then defeated death by walking out of the grave, right? So that's something to be excited about if you understand your salvation. If you're not saved, it's something to pay attention to because you need to know this, and it's important to you just as bad, just as much as it's important to anybody else. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we talked about sin being the greatest problem you'll ever have, if you remember, and how there's no solution to that problem on your own. You need Jesus to be the solution to that problem, which took us into last week's message from Romans chapter 6. Uh, when we talked about the penalty for sin, which is death. And we talked about the physical death and the spiritual death and the eternal death, all part of the package, okay? And we talked about how Jesus' uh, sacrifice on the cross, his willingness to give up his own life, his own perfect life, for the purpose of paying the penalty for me and you, all right? And you, you ought to sit back and say, but I don't deserve that, right? How could that happen for me? But I think sometimes we all sit back and say, whew, I'm so glad somebody done it. <laughs> I think we can have a little bit of both, right? I think the Lord wants us to be excited about our salvation and excited about how he reconciled us to him or himself to us or whichever way it works. But Jesus paid the penalty for sin, and he suffered on the cross for sin, right? And too many times... Uh, maybe even the Christians, but people in general look at Easter as uh, looking at the cross and his death on the cross and everything that it means. But if you stop there, you're missing the big idea. You're missing the most important part, which is his resurrection. If, if he doesn't come out of the grave, we're all hopeless and we're just wasting our time here. Right? There's no message to preach is what we're going to get into hopefully this morning. And... Uh, 
we're going to try. There's so many things to talk about when, it, when you want to talk about the resurrection and everything surrounding the resurrection, everything that it affects, everything that it has to do with. We can talk about, as uh, Brother Frank pointed out, there's plenty of ways to prove that the resurrection did happen. It was a historical event that was actually something that did happen. It was the greatest thing that ever happened and will ever happen, right? And too many people try to reject this truth and this has been going on since Jesus walked out of the grave. It's nothing new. And you're not, they couldn't prove it back then that it wasn't true. They're not going to prove it now. They're never going to be able to prove it because it is absolutely the truth about Jesus. I want to point out two things that I think are super important for us to be reminded about if we're saved, if we're believers, if we understand our salvation. And also if you're not saved or if you haven't even heard the gospel before or if for some reason you got some questions, these are, I think, are some of the most important things to realize. First, I want to read out of chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians because I think it helps us be reminded of just where this resurrection fits into the gospel message that we're supposed to be preaching. Yeah, I said we are supposed to be preaching, not just me and every other preacher. All the believers are supposed to be preaching this gospel in some way, form, or fashion. And here's what he says. I have it on the board. Uh, 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 I have it on the board, chapters 12 to 20, because that's where I'm going to focus here in a little bit. But I want to start with chapter 1, or excuse me, verses 12 to 20. I want to start with verse 1 of chapter 15 and read uh, to verse 8, and then we'll go to 12. All right, so meet me in, in your Bibles, because I know you have them, and I know your fingerprints are all over them. It says in verse 1, verse chapter 15 says, Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. That should get your attention. Verse 3, For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance. That means the most important thing. Nothing else more important in your life. It says that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, as was prophesied. Verse 4, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, as was prophesied. And that he, verse 5, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to, the more, to more than 500 of the brothers at the at same time, most of whom were still living, though some had fallen asleep. And then verses 7 and 8 says, Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as, uh, as to one abnormally born. Talking about himself. Right? Because, you know, when Paul met Jesus, it was a little bit different than the rest of the fellas. Right? Paul was off to kill those who believed Jesus and his resurrection. And Jesus met him on the road and said, uh, What's going on? Why are you doing this? Of course, I'm paraphrasing y'all. You know that. <laughs> Jesus doesn't talk like I do. But the gospel he just presented in these first eight verses, he reminded the Corinthians about, was the gospel of not only Jesus being in the flesh, being a person, but Jesus uh, going to the cross and dying and him resurrected. It's a total package gospel message. And it was all prophesied from the way back before in the Old Testament days. 
they talked about the coming of the Messiah. They talked about his suffering and his dying. They talked about his conquering death. It all agrees with what God had said the entire time. That's the gospel. So then we look in verse 12. Here it is on the board. Oh, you probably can't read it. Just you got a Bible, so you can look there. But if it is preached, verse 12 of chapter 15, if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? They were arguing that people aren't coming back from the dead. It's not possible. So there, this is his answer to that. If, verse 13, if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are found to be false, be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him from the dead. In fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. Verse 17, and if Christ has, has not been raised, your faith is futile. For you, are for you are still in your sins. And then finally, verse 18 and 19, then those, who, those, then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. And then finally he gets to the point, the good news, y'all, in verse 20, he says, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead in the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. That's the full truth. That's all of the good news. Thank you. One of y'all caught that. He just said, indeed, Christ did come back from the dead. God raised him out of the grave, but it also said he's the first fruits of those who've fallen asleep. That's good news for y'all. That's good news for me. He was the first of many to follow. See, we are Christians. We follow Christ. That's what, uh, that's what confessing Christ as Lord and Savior and repenting and being baptized by, by immersion is all about. It's a representation of us following Christ into the grave and coming out with new life. Isn't that great, y'all? That's how it works. That's how God put it in place. Believe it or not. So, a couple things we can point out about Jesus' resurrection based on what we're reading here and what we're reminding ourselves of. And now that we're in tune with what we're talking about, hopefully, his resurrection is important. It's important to not only the believers, but it's also important to those who aren't believers, whether they reject the truth or whether they just haven't received it and haven't understood it enough or haven't pondered it enough to receive it. Either way, the resurrection is important because it demonstrates Jesus' lordship over all of creation. His lordship even over death. He's Lord of all. You want to learn more about that? Study the letter to the Colossians. Everything is created to center, to be around him. He holds everything together. It's all about Jesus. It's all about the Father. It's all about them. As in Revelation, as John saw, that the one who is like a lamb who was slain was standing by the throne on hit by, by him who was on the throne, and everything was worshiping the throne. It's all about Jesus, y'all. Even his resurrection is about Jesus. Even your salvation is about Jesus. Isn't it? <laughs> Jesus made a lot of claims. 
you got some paper in your bulletin there, and I think uh, uh, if you want to, I might. I think I'm going to leave this up long enough for you to write some some of these scriptures down. I'm not going to read every one of these scripture because I know some of y'all got a hand cooking and you want to get to it, <laughs> right? Right. So you can look these up later in your family Bible studies. These, this is what Jesus himself claimed about himself, according to John and uh, uh, Matthew and Luke. First, he claims to be the Christ and the Son of God. That's Matthew chapter 16. Then he claims to be sent by God. That's John chapter 8. Then he claimed to be one with the Father. John chapter 10. Then he claimed to deserve honor equal to that given to the Father. That's John chapter 5. He claimed to have authority to forgive sins. Matthew teaches that in verse nine, uh, chapter 9. And then he claimed to be the king. John chapter 18. He claimed to be Lord. Luke chapter 6. He claimed to be Lord of the temple even. John chapter 2. He claimed to be Lord of the Sabbath in Matthew chapter 12. He claimed to be Lord over the angels in Matthew chapter 23. That's a lot of claiming, isn't it? For a man to do. A man to walk around the world, walk around the known earth at, the same, at that time and bragging on himself like this. Or, or these things really are true, and then he's not really bragging, is he? He's just stating the facts. He's just talking about the kingdom of God. He's talking about himself. He's talking about the truth of his lordship. You see, if Jesus is Lord, it's, it's not possible for him to deny himself. Right? He can't say, well, no, I'm not. No, he is Lord, and he knows he's Lord. The problem with the resurrection is if it's not true, then all of these things that Jesus claimed about himself are up for question mark. They can all, every single one of them can be debated. Every single one of them might even be proven wrong. Because he's just, if he's not resurrected from the dead, he's just another guy trying to make his way. Like all the rest of the jobs that people So when he comes, when, when God raises him from the dead, he certainly proves each one of these things about himself. He certainly shows the world just exactly who he is. Even if in the moment, in that moment, as we talked about this morning, when they went and found the tomb empty for the first time, how confusing that might have been for them troubling it should have been for them because it's not possible for them to understand the ways of God without it, the Spirit of God explaining it to them as what as was what, what happened on Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. Once the Spirit of God came onto the believers, then it all made sense. Then they had all the puzzle pieces so that they could properly preach the gospel as Paul is saying in the first part of chapter 15. He's like, look, here's the gospel I preached when I came here. It's the same gospel that you guys already believe. Now these other people are saying to you that it's not possible for a man to come back to life. It's not, the resurrection just doesn't happen. The problem is, is he's not just any man. He's Jesus. He's the Messiah. He's the Savior. He's the Son of God. 
leave the acceptable sacrifice. The second thing, and let me take those in order. If you need those again, I'll give them to you later. The resurrection devastates the enemies of Jesus. I mean, it completely annihilates any anything or anyone who comes against Jesus as the Messiah, as the Christ. Completely wipes them out. Which is why there was such a panic about covering this resurrection up. About explaining it away. Coming up with anything and everything to be able to explain how it is that Jesus really didn't come back from the dead. It really didn't happen that way. Somebody moved the body. Somebody stole the body. Somebody paid somebody to do something. There's all kind, He really wasn't dead before they put him in there. All kinds of ex- explanations that cannot be proven. And there's, too, there's way too much science that shows otherwise. See, science is our friend now. Because the truth agrees with real science. Not, not made up science, real science. You can change science to mean whatever you want it to, to, be, to make, but you, if you use science the way it's supposed to be used, you will find that this cannot be disproven because it's the absolute truth about our Savior. The absolute truth about Jesus, the Christ, your Savior, my Savior, the one who died on the cross, the one who willingly gave up his life, the one who willingly took your sins on himself and, and allowed himself to die and believed that the Father would bring him back. That's what Jesus has done for us. Look at look at this. Okay, here's his enemy. Here's the, here's the enemies of, of Jesus. Satan, obviously. Everybody say duh. <laughs> Satan is the most obvious enemy of Jesus, right? Well, then there's the demonic host and all of that comes with Satan. What about sin itself? Is the enemy of Jesus. You have to say amen. Especially if you're a believer, you have to say amen because if you're a believer, that means you understand that you have sinned against a holy God and that you need Jesus. And at some point in your life, you were cut to the heart and remorse happened. It's one of those times where you say amen and you cry at the same time because you have to say amen. You want to say amen because you need the Lord. I I have to say amen to that because I need a Savior. Right? It's confusing, isn't it? Confusing your emotions are going everywhere. We're, we're the only people that celebrate the death of our Savior, of our God, because we know that our God lives. And that, so we're, we're, we're part of the enemy when we're in our sin, when we refuse to repent. We can be part of the family again because of the resurrection, and we put our faith in that and repent and are baptized for the forgiveness of our sins as the gospel teaches. How about the forces of death that we talked about last week? The forces of death. That's, that's, there's, there's way more to talk about when it comes to the enemies of Jesus, but I'm not here to talk about the enemies of Jesus. I'm here to talk about my Savior and your Savior and his resurrection. Look at John, 1 John chapter 3, verse 8 says, the one, the one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. Here it is. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. That's what he came here for. He came here to destroy the enemy. And his resurrection completes that task. Look at Hebrews chapter 2, verse 4. We'll look at uh, verse 15 in a minute. It says, since the children have 
flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity for this reason, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, and that is the devil. Notice Satan's behind it all, even when we're guilty, right? You see, this, this right here is the key. Satan's number one and only weapon is death. The only weapon he has against me and you is death. Physical death, spiritual death, and eternal death. That's all he has to offer. How many of you are buying it? How many of you are on board with that? If you haven't repented of offending a holy God, then you're, all, you're in with Satan. You're in with the wickedness of evil. If you've repented, then you're in with God. And you're experiencing everlasting life already. Because Jesus lives in you. That's just the way it is. Here's the rest of Hebrews chapter 2, in verse 14 and 15. Uh, verse 15 says, and he says, not only is he uh, hold, the, hold the power of death, that, it, that is the devil. Verse 15 says, and free those uh, who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Fear of death. The one thing that keeps people from getting saved and accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior or surrendering to the truth about Jesus and his resurrection are the people who are afraid of death of any kind. They're afraid to sur When you surrender to Jesus for the first time, you're saying, I, I, it's not about me anymore. I surrender 100% myself to God. You're willing, just like Jesus did, was willing to go to the cross and give his life. You're willing to give what you consider your great life so that you can live for Christ. That's why, that's why we that's why we immerse. That's why we're baptized because that person, that sinner person, is dead. Let's bury that person so that God can bring him back out of the grave to have new life, the resurrection that we follow Jesus in. That's what it's about. That's what the whole thing is about. That's what we're all about. That's what every day of our life should be about. And then in Romans chapter 6, verse 9 and 10 says, For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. This is good news, y'all. Right? He's conquered death. Death, the weapon of death, is no longer a threat to those who believe. That's, it's awesome. And then he says, death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin one time, once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives for God. We're following him. We're following Jesus. Those of us who are believers, those of us who want to be saved, we're doing what Jesus did. And Jesus came into the world and he conquered death by being obedient to the Father. That's, that's salvation, y'all. I feel like a lot of people in the room are saved, right? I know y'all. A lot of y'all are saved, but I wonder, do you understand all of this in a way, in such a way that it changes your life to the point where you're changing somebody else's life? Because there's a lot of people that are around us that are dead in their sins. And, and they're completely defeated by death, and they have no idea what's going on. Because they don't know the story. They don't understand the resurrection and the power of the resurrection. Why I keep saying it's not—it's not all about inviting people to church and trying to fill up the church. It's about getting people to understand that Jesus did come out of the grave, and that makes Him Lord of all. That makes Him the Savior of all. 
And it means he loves Paul. Everything he said about himself was absolutely true. It's not my job to prove it to you. It's my job to encourage you to think about whether or not it's true or not. And to tell you what the Bible says. So as we read our scripture in verses 15 to, to excuse me, 12 to 20 of chapter 15, all, all he's trying to explain here to, is, look, if you want to, if you want to dismiss the resurrection because you don't believe in the resurrection for any person, um, that means this gospel is, has no has nothing has no value to it. And if and if and if the resurrection wasn't true, then your faith is worthless. If the resurrection isn't true, the gospel that we preach is just nonsense. That's all. He's, that's what he's saying here. All this time and energy. All this time, think about how much time that you have spent talking to God about who he is, reading your Bible, studying, having Bible studies, coming to church, having uh, Bible studies at church, discussing the way, doing evangelistic work, working for the Lord, praising God. It would all be for nothing because it's not real if the resurrection isn't true. You see, that makes the resurrection the very foundation of who we are in Christ. Without the resurrection, it's none of it's none of it's true. We're all hopeless. We're pitiful creatures. If that's the case, this is why we should get excited. This is why we should be jumping up and down. This is we all we almost died in our sin, and were separated from God for eternity, y'all. But God so loved the world and said, I'm not letting that happen. I got a plan. And it was a plan from the very beginning. It's not something he spent all those years, all those years trying to figure out, how do I make this work? How do I get this to work? God God wasn't. No, from Genesis all the way through the cross and to now, it's all in God's time. It's all in his plan. It's his master plan. It's the only way. It's the perfect plan. Absolutely did happen. I think we should live that way. I think we should live every day of our life for a risen Savior. Not only a risen Savior, but one who died the physical death to pay for the sins of man. And then God brought him back from the dead. You can look in the first few verses that we read of chapter 15. There's evidence of, of eyewitnesses. Many eyewitnesses saw him in the flesh. So it's not like some somebody dreamed this, hey, let's make up this story and let's just start telling the world this and we'll make a religion out of it. That's not how it happened. Because that's not the way they wanted it, if you think about it. They were tore up because their king, the king of the Jews, was laying in a grave dead. And things weren't going the way they thought they were going. Once, once, once Jesus comes out of this grave and he tells the, he says to them, he says to them, look, I'm, I'm, I'm Jesus, you know me. He told Thomas, put your, put your hands in my wounds so you can believe. And once he got their attention after so many days, he said, look, I'm going to go be with the Father now. I'm going to leave you with another counselor, and I want you to go into the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I'll go with you everywhere you go. 
that doesn't happen without a risen Savior. It's not possible without Jesus living in me and you as a believer. There's no way I'm going to make disciples without a living Savior living in me. catch our breath, I'll tell you this little story. This girl, her name is Mackenzie. She, she really wasn't starting, trying to start a theological debate. She just wanted to make a point about Jesus' resurrection in Sunday school one time. Her teacher tried to encourage her class to, with, with the assurance that Jesus is everywhere. Seems like a, something you should teach in Sunday school. Jesus is everywhere. I think we all need to remember that. But Mackenzie didn't think that sounded right to her. So she said, I know one place where Jesus ain't at. So the teacher curiously said, oh, really? And where is that? And that little girl just stood up and said, he's not in the grave. As much as we want to say Jesus is everywhere, he ain't in the grave, though. Sometimes we, have, we think too much. Sometimes we, we make it too hard. He's gone. He's not in the grave because he lives. Let me tell you this, too, as I, as I finish up this message this morning. There's, there's never a struggle on, on what to preach on Easter Sunday. If there is, then uh, whatever preacher struggling with that needs a prayer meeting because it's obvious what to preach on. Sometimes how to go about it and what angle to come at and however to present it is a challenge, but it's, it is what it is because the truth is what it is. Here's, here's what I know. There's hope in our hearts, hope in our minds, and strength in our bodies because we have a risen Savior, and it absolutely did happen. One thing I want to focus on as I come to invitation this morning is there's this word in there that talks about first fruits. Who's the first fruit? And he's the first of many. First fruit of many, it says. And that's the hint. That's the hint of how God is going to bring you to him you can have eternal life because without eternal life from God you're dead you're already dead if you haven't repented if you haven't accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior he's Lord and Savior whether you accept him or not you're just excusing yourself right and all of y'all are amen in me and, and nodding your head but every one of you knows somebody who's not saved and if you're excited about your salvation we probably ought to get excited about theirs too and do everything we can do to help them understand this, this truth. Right? There's a lot of people in the world right now on this Easter Sunday have totally dismissed the meaning of the resurrection of our Savior. Totally dismissed of any importance of Easter at all. There's many people in this world that are attacking what we're celebrating right now because it threatens who they are and what they're about. They don't want it because if it, if they receive this truth, then that means Jesus really is Lord. And they really have to submit to someone. And they really have to, to die to something. The truth is hard, isn't it? 
But those of us who've been saved, we know that the blessing, when we step into that truth and we surrender to it, it means everything in the world. There's nothing in this world that should be more important than the resurrection of our Savior to the believer. I love you and the Lord loves you. If you haven't repented, if you haven't said, I don't want to be an enemy of God anymore, if you haven't said, I believe this is all true, then if, if you haven't done those things, you should. And when you do those things, the Bible instructs to be baptized, to be immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins. That's what God laid out for us so that you can receive the gift of life and the Holy Spirit. Isn't that great, y'all? That's what we're here for. That's what it's all about. Let's stand together and sing. Let's sing like we have a Savior who's alive.